0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Thank you uh, thank you for coming out, coming to you live from Script Town Brewing in the Blackstone District in Omaha, Nebraska. I am Brian Tott, along with Matt DeMoranis. Matt, say hi. Hello, everybody. Matt, you're a, little, you're a little... Try that again. Hello, everybody. There we go. <laughs> I think
1: you laid out the location for everyone, just in case they weren't sure where they were. Yeah. Omaha, Nebraska. There
0: we go. Home of the Blue Jays. So we're back for episode forty-six. Big episode today, forty-six. Not sure. That's not really a basketball type number. I think last week we were forty-five, which is one of the you know um, penultimate numbers you can have, I guess, uh, for a for a basketball is like the NBA. I think
1: Doug might have scored forty-six two so. times in his career.
0: Volume. What's up? Volume. Pump it up. All can right.
1: Get louder. We have a request to be louder. There you go, that works. That's a good thing. That means we want to hear you, right? How's that sound?
0: A little bit better? Okay. We're working on it. It's
1: better than turn it down. That's true. Good point, good point, good point.
0: All right. So, uh, again, Scriptown Brewing, appreciate the support. We're coming to you live, our podcasts all season long um, here from the Blackstone District. And we really appreciate you guys coming out. We appreciate all the questions we got today. We'll, we'll try our best to get through all of those today. But we've got a rather packed show. Uh, obviously, basketball is back in season. And so with that, uh, obviously, everybody starts to send their questions, their comments, their concerns, their overreactions to exhibition games and, uh, and the like. So I guess, Matt, we should probably start with that. I know our really um, avid listeners probably listen to the full hour-long Blue Jay beat that you got done uh, after the game with uh, John Iatawa from the Omaha World Herald. But uh, for those that didn't, or for those that just can't get enough of uh, Omaha... Um, or, my my uh, voice. Yeah, yeah, your voice, the Matt Moreno's golden touch, um, would really just love, I guess, to dig into what, um, you know, what the key takeaways were when you and John were sitting down chatting. I know you guys spent a lot of time on it, but... Um, that we can kind of dig into some of the nuts and bolts of the exhibition game. But it is, you know, obviously an overreaction season out there. So kind of what did you see? What were were the key takeaways from what essentially was um, just a a glorified practice out there? Well, I mean, a glorified
1: practice. Uh, Creighton did shoot the heck out of the three ball. That's one thing they struggled to do against Minnesota. So um, I did, you know, talk to Murph about that after the Minnesota scrimmage was – Is the is there an identity shift gonna happen within this team just based on the makeup and things like that and um yeah
0: keep going keep talking um
1: sorry and uh, so they shot the three ball really well I think 19040 so that's you know right up there close to 50 percent and anytime you hit 19 threes Villanova can attest you are doing a lot of things right so you're hard to beat if you can do that so I think it was impressive to see that come back into fruition um, just in terms of the style of play and things like that. Defensively, I thought they did a lot of good things, a lot of the things that Coach Lusk has been trying to implement throughout the offseason, just you know, tracing the ball, being active in the gaps. Um, they got their hands on a lot of loose balls and you know, created some turnovers, some live ball turnovers. Martine had the big dunk um, on the pick six at the top of the key. <laughs> Um that was that was an exciting moment for him for the crowd given that all he's, you know, had to deal with over the off season and really his entire career. Um Mitch Balak had a pick six and a nice reverse like yeah. switched hands, layup in the midair. That was pretty not yeah. pretty athletic. Like I was impressed by that. I mean, I just thought the Jays played with a lot of energy. Um, despite not having, you know, an opponent with a big marquee name. They they came out um firing all cylinders. Tyshawn was you know, white hot in the first half, six for six from the field, five of five from three. Davion was four of five from three for the game, so that was pretty good to see because he obviously has to carry more of a scoring load. So I mean, there were a lot of positives I think from this game. There's not much, I would say, that you took away feeling uneasy about. Um, you know, Jacob Epperson grabbed seven rebounds, I believe. I'm um, not the box going in front of me, but. I you don't have it memorized by now? I know, right? you had a <laughs> couple of days. Let's get through that. What he was dealing with with, his, with the knee injury and everything like that, he kind of was struggling. And I think yeah. he had a really good week of practice leading up to that exhibition game after Minnesota. And then I thought he played pretty well against Winona State, grabbed seven boards. He had that nice over the shoulder catch on the lob. That was a tough play to make. I mean, he might be the only one on the team that could make that play. So sure. it was kind of good to see. You know him getting into a rhythm and you know kind of get his flow back I think he's going to play a lot with that small ball lineup, maybe off the bench um, just in terms of spacing he's probably the best big man suited to be most effective with that lineup around sure. him so um, that's something that we saw and I think again another thing in the positive category I know I'm being overly positive right now, but it's hard to be negative when you win one one fifty seven so um that, that was my takeaways but i felt like the jays did what they needed to do in terms of improving from the minnesota scrimmage
0: yeah no, i think um you know when, when you think about what we heard coach murfeld talk about last week on the podcast and how they didn't shoot well against minnesota in the closed scrimmage they turned the ball over too many times even in the practices following the open scrimmage they turned it over far too many times as well i think that was my big takeaway i mean i i showed up saturday night expecting to see them cough the ball up a lot Maybe, you know, part of that is just new guys coming in and getting their first taste. No doubt. That's on the a court. great point. Yeah. Um, but I didn't see that from those new guys when they came in. They looked pretty controlled. And what I what I also didn't see were just careless plays in the first half either when it was still, um, you know, the, the main starters out there. So I was actually pleasantly surprised, I guess, driving home that night from, from the CHO or CHI Health Center. I, it's going to take a while the chico the chico it's still exhibition season for them too chico bail bonds Uh, so i mean i I was pleasantly surprised like that i mean obviously you're not going to hit 19 threes a game um, and you're not going to play an opponent that has nobody over six foot eight every single game but if you can control that you know if you can control not turning the ball over taking care of the basketball i mean it sounds like coach speak but it's a reason why they talk about it all the time because those are unforced things and, and unforced problems. I know Mac always talks about there are some turnovers you'll you'll live with when you're trying to get the ball down to the post, you're trying to be aggressive on a break, or you're trying to run that pace that they want to run with, but I didn't see much of that really causing a problem, especially when the new guys were
1: in. And the reason it's important for them is because of how fast they play, it's more prone to mistakes, so you want to limit them as much as possible. Also because they don't, they're not a team that creates a lot of turnover, so you can't balance that out with on the defensive end. If you turn the ball over, you're just giving away an extra possession there and you kind of have to make that up for... The only way to make that up is by being more efficient. So you put more pressure on your offense that way because it's just not the way they've been built. So, yeah, taking care of the ball is a priority. It's not just coach speak. It's, it's like, paramount to their style of play because those are their opportunities. They're not going to create more with their defense, so they kind of have to make the most of them with their offense.
0: I felt like it was the Matt DeMoranis, like, uh, future casting show on Saturday night, though. I mean, when you talk the last couple pods about how well Mitch is shooting the ball, how well Tyshawn is shooting the ball in practice, um, you know, how good Samson looks in stretches on the practice floor, in the scrimmages, even, like, the little bursts of energy that a Damian Jefferson can give you off the bench. I mean, just on the all bus team, like, James, my seven year old saw that guy, you know, in warm-ups. He's like, is that our new best player? I'm like, I'm sorry, just because he has huge biceps and he's very tall and runs very quickly that doesn't always make you the best but i mean you know you're gonna expect i guess a little burst out of there and you definitely saw where his nose was for um know i think he attempted a three um but corner three there I believe. yeah a corner three but i mean he was gonna make he's gonna make his hay on the glass playing defense hustling which you saw that off the bench from him, which was sure. great to see. It wasn't a ton of, you know, he didn't have the Jordan Scurry moves coming, down, coming out and just jacking threes. Jordan Scurry's all buckets, man. Buckets are Jordan Scurry's thing. That's what, that's what Jordan does. So, uh, But I, I guess that was, that's just my way of saying whatever you talked about the last couple of weeks, it's almost like, you know, you went to practice all the time. Because you saw, I guess, maybe more of a representation yeah. of what they looked like. Then maybe what that scrimmage against Minnesota was? Is that too positive? Well, I mean, it's hard to fake that much information. <laughs> right. I'd be a hell of a creative
1: writer if I was making up that much stuff and none of it came true. Um, but, yeah, its I mean, I, I like this team in terms of their skill set. It's just going to be how, you know, finding the rotations, again, just being a little bit better defensively because you got to make up for that Kyrie Thomas departure um, collectively because you're not going to do it individually. Um, there are things that need to be shored up. I still – I'm not ready to say this is an NCAA tournament team again yet. I think they're still an NIT team this year just based on how young they are. I mean, just to keep my expectations I mean, I mean, the college so basketball, experience wins. That's the, that's the like, yeah. the true – sure. Tried and true method of getting into postseason play is experience. They just don't have that this year. So I'm not going to put just – those expectations on this group yet until they show me. And this non-conference schedule will be a great chance for them to do that because it's it's a bear. And then the Big East is, has to deal with some experience issues across the board, um, just like Creighton is. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, um, I mean, but okay, keep talking. But yeah, the, right. I, I, I think I, I still here. think NIT is the ceiling for this group right now. Just in, just how they're built, um, how young they are, how many pieces still have to be put into the right spots. Um, it's going to be a work in progress. That's
0: uh, one. One of our uh, avid listeners, avid re- readers, pointed out today at Mailbag at whitebluereview.com that the Athletic, um, which is a uh, which is a new pay-for um, subscription service, that's pretty much pillaging a lot of the best college and professional beat writers around the country. Um, Athletic came out with their their one through 68, I guess today their preseason. Um, review of where things stand, and they had the Jays, I think, pegged at 46, which had them in the field. So um, the Athletic, you know, if you can, if you can get past that paywall, I guess they got some good things to say about the Jays. Not sure how in depth they went. That's a ringing endorsement, right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know my thoughts about the paywall Matt. Um, but they they had the Jays in. Matt Morenas has them out. But like like you said, I mean, um, obviously their schedule has. Quite uh, quite an improvement, um, or I guess the degree of difficulty ratchets is up a little past Winona State here pretty soon. I mean, they have essentially three marquee non-conference games, two of which are at home: Gonzaga and Ohio State. And Ohio State, that game is only a couple weeks from today. Or, think, you you know, know, Oklahoma, Clemson, possibly
1: Nebraska on the road, wow. Boise State. Like those are not. That's I mean, a tough it, schedule. Yeah, right? it's
0: not, that's no joke. So, you, especially you for young teams. So if you take care of business against the against the teams you should be, maybe you steal one of Gonzaga or Ohio State at home, okay. you pick up one of Nebraska or Oklahoma on the road and then you show well in the Bahamas. Or, I'm sorry, the Cayman Islands. Sorry, I get my, you know, I get my same. money laundering islands confused. Same, same thing, but uh, you know, I think that that bodes well. I mean, cuz you know you're going to be challenged in the Big East, but like you have been On me all off season long to understand that the whole Big East is essentially replacing giant question marks all over the place. So it's like the Riddler, like in the old school Batman when he had all the question suits and the big weird green jumpsuits and stuff. Like those are the kind of question marks that are rolling around, sure, in the Big East this year. Um, so some other items that people wanted us to run through. Well, first and foremost, I mean, I, I guess it was one of the biggest. Um, discoveries or biggest aha moments for me Saturday night at the exhibition was the CenturyLink Center, the CHI Health Center, whatever it's called, has a DJ, an in-house DJ now. I feel like we could devote an entire podcast to breaking down his his playlists and his DJ choices. Uh, We might have to do like a behind the music or some like pop-up video type of thing. But first, I guess, what was the impression from everybody on Press Row that's used to like, I guess, whoever pushes like the boombox Button down there on press row to get music on. Actually handing over the reins to a DJ that was up in the pr- up up in the Bud Bar where all the action is. I, all the people not paying attention to the game. Like what was that like? What was I, that I heard bit? some
1: hazing. Obviously the, the person that is formally in that position now is probably a little salty about <laughs> but it. But sure. He's he's okay. Okay. He understands the DJ's got skills and that people are gonna like it.
0: And I mean, there were two turntables and a microphone. Yeah. Back, so and he was jamming up there
1: too. I was looking up every now and then. He, he was. He was like feeling his own selections. He was he's, there, he's
0: feeling himself. That's pretty good. Yeah,
1: I, was, I liked it. I was a fan. Uh, John was sitting next to me. He was a fan. Um, okay.
0: So I think the consensus is is that no crusty, not no crusty uh, press row guys complaining and getting grumpy. Yeah, and
1: we're, we're, we're we're a younger core <laughs> this, sure. this time around. Like we're 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 in our thirties. So okay. yeah, um, I mean Marquette had an in house DJ at the Owl. For women's basketball games and things like that, so I've seen that work before and I liked it. I feel like they have. I a, didn't know a, Creighton was had that coming. I was surprised by it, but a pleasant. They have a, they have an
0: extra hundred thousand dollars that they didn't use in the budget last year. That's so right. Can just put it toward the. Uh, just put it toward the DJ. No, Money, I mean, ball, money ball wasted, in my opinion. <laughs> right. So let's segue on that. I uh, all joking aside, another Creighton mentioned in the national media. Uh, I think yesterday was ESPN um, digging into some of the phone records from uh, Christian Dawkins and uh, everything that came to the federal trial. Sean Miller from Arizona placed a bunch of phone calls back and forth. Coach McDermott was on that list. Uh, Leading the way, the big Muddy, Justin Patton. I mean, uh, one of the questions here, and we'd be, you know, I think silly not to at least address it on the show a little bit, is um, the timetables of events for Dawkins and and how it lines up with the Jays. I think you and I were talking off the air a little bit about just from our perspective – how that looks, um, obviously there's national perception or whatever, but just when you dig in to um, kind of who from the hilltop would have had reasons to be on the phone and, and all of that at those time frames. I mean, it's it's clearly related to, in my perspective, to to Justin and, and him kind of leading up to the draft. But I don't know your impressions or what it looks like for, from where you sit. Uh, certainly, some of it has
1: to just the time frame alone. It doesn't. It doesn't line up with Bowen entirely. So I mean, Bowen committed to Louisville on June third, and phone calls from McDermott to Dawkins go to June twenty second, which is the night Justin Patton was drafted. So we know what we know so far is that Dawkins was kind of the middleman to recruit Justin to that ASM Sports agency that was run by Andy Miller. Um, that's Patton's former agent, obviously. Um, so. Logic tends to drag me towards those conversations were about Patton because it was after Bowen had already committed, so they weren't in play for Bowen anymore because Louisville had already sure paid up so no, whatever. Um, so that that to me takes Bowen out of play for some of those conversations. Um, now Preston Murphy also has a relationship going pre career with Christian Dawkins, so there's there's an angle that they might just talk because they just are friends. But there's also part of that's like there's also the other logic the other logic crummy to pick up is they were recruiting Brian Bowen for a long time. Yeah. Long and time. Christian Dawkins was Brian Bowen's handler. So there's there's sure. trying to find the percentage of what was what when is still very muddy. So I still think there's some explanations that need to be you know, brought out there, but I also understand why you don't explain that while a trial is going on, while an investigation is going on, especially yeah. when the FBI has instructed the NCAA to hold off on that until they're done.
0: They're just looking their chops to start throwing. I'm sure meaningless you know they uh, are, but I'm just saying, like from Creighton's teams.
1: perspective, you don't. You're not obligated to say anything until you're obligated to say anything, and I don't think right now they are. So, sure, I get it. I guess. Do I want to know? Yes. Does everybody want to know? Yes. <laughs> sure. But do you also have to understand why they've only said what they've said so far? Yes. Do you know what so, other like?
0: Do you know what else people want to know? John wants to know what the Jays are going to do now that they have eight days off in between their exhibition and the start of their season. What are they going to do? Lock in on Western Illinois. <laughs> Just get, really game get that out, baby. It's game week, man. Who's,
1: it is weird how the schedule has worked out. Like with them having, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, I get excited <laughs> with. Them having, you know, the close scrimmage, then the exhibition, and then so much time in between. Women's basketball is doing it, too. It's kind of weird the way it's worked out. Women's basketball? I know we're going to talk
0: about women's hoops later, but they played their public scrimmage and then played their private scrimmage. So so anyway, yeah, Yeah, like you said, it's it's just kind of a weird basketball start, right? I agree, yeah. So
1: they have all this time to prepare for Western Illinois and, you know, shore up some of the things that they've put on film so far from Minnesota and Winona State, you know, just to improve basic things, but... It's game week starting tomorrow. They'll hit the practice floor. Um, I think they'll have a day off Thursday, maybe, Friday, maybe. Um, Get back at it Saturday, Sunday, and and keep rolling into game week. So, yeah, there's just a lot. I I think it's probably good because, you know, the more time to prepare with a young team is probably better. Sure. But I know that the players themselves are, are pretty tired
0: of playing each other, so they'll probably hope this week flies by. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've got an interview coming up here about 15 minute interview with Creighton assistant coach, Paul Lusk. I know you were able to connect with, with coach Lusk after the exhibition. So I'm really interested to hear what he has to say, um, kind of about that prep now for Western Illinois, how much they'll work on maybe the other teams, um, that come up there. Uh, after Western Illinois, they have East Tennessee State. A quick turnaround then. and eh, not, t- not too quick, though. I mean, Tuesday, yep. Sunday. Yep. Um, but Games are going to start knocking off the schedule pretty soon. So. Yeah, I mean, they really only have three games then before they go to the Cayman Islands. So they get Western Illinois on next Tuesday. East Tennessee State, that's no pushover. And then an Ohio State. Oh, East Tennessee State almost beat
1: Xavier last year, remember? They went to Sintas and...
0: They were beating them up pretty good, too. And I read a nice post by Alex Sindlar about, you know, how, how many East coffee ten, cups did they get? Uh, Alex is in the house tonight. How many coffee cups did the East Tennessee State game get? Do you remember? Uh,
2: one and a half. One and a half and coffee, a half coffee cups. cups, which is
0: which was far more than, I believe, Western Illinois. Um, I like the, the, the angle that Alex took on that piece, though. I, mean, I feel like we could do a whole podcast just – digging into, like, the monstrosities on some of these campuses that he unearthed and he, the weird angles. He's a great investigative journalist, <laughs> I man. I feel like He'll it. He'll find your skeletons for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we don't want him sniffing around this program. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think we, uh, we've we got a good interview here with Lusk. Um, we're going to go ahead and get that started here. Anything you want to say, Matt, to get it set up, though, before we, we hit the play button? Um, I think one thing
1: they'll find interesting is that Creighton's uh, – he talks a little bit about Creighton's scouting adjustment this year. It's not going to be – you know, in years past, it's like – Nebraska is D-Rock week and all that stuff. Like, it's not... Oh, not God, st-
0: yeah, what are we going to do for D-Rock week?
1: Well, they're not going to... They're going to scout, like, each coach kind of has, like, a area of the team they focus on for the whole year. So, you know, Lusk handles the defense, you know, certain guys handle the offense, and it's kind of going to be one voice on every area of the game throughout the season. There's not going to be one coach devotes time to Marquette while they're playing Georgetown, and, you know, everybody's kind of on board for every game, so... It is a little bit of an adjustment, but something I guess Coach Mack has been wanting to do for a long time. So
0: interesting, yeah. It is interesting. Lose a bunch of guys, lose a bunch of coach. You know. It feels like pro, it
1: feels do pro style to do me because I mean, like, you have a defensive coordinator, pro style. an offensive
0: coordinator. Like it's yeah. It's Which is there a Shanahan involved? Or a, I don't believe okay. so. But you know, I don't know all Never the know. finances. Maybe there is. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and get our interview up there with Paul Lusk men's basketball assistant coach here on the Blue Jays Bites podcast sponsored by Town Brewing.
1: Uh, Coach Lusk, thanks for sitting down with us after the uh, big win on Saturday exhibition game. Got that in the bag. and Now it's time to rock and roll for the regular season. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a big win, but
3: (laughs) I thought we made... Margin numbers, I guess. I thought we made some improvements um, from when we played Minnesota. I thought we had a good week of practice and... and, uh, we should make improvements and now we have to make improvements from that game. So, uh, it'll be very important that we continue to move forward. Just on the week of practice.
1: Um, cause that's a good point. You know, just from observing it from my perspective, it seems like, you know, on Monday it started not as well and the guys got challenged a little bit. And then as it went on throughout the week towards game day, it got better. What did you see, um, just in terms of the guys focus and, you know, how they were able to flip the switch, um, once, once you guys kind of got after him?
3: Well, I think you have all these practices, and then you need to play some new competition, which we did against Minnesota. As coaches, we knew that we probably uh, would go through some tough times of the game, and mm-hmm. we probably aren't where we need to be. <coughs> Players don't always believe you. Right. Uh, but now you go through that experience, and then you move forward. I thought we had a, as you said, we had a good week of practice after that, uh, and I thought we had competitive practices, and guys... Um, trying to correct some of their mistakes. Um, I still think we're trying to find flow. I think guys are still trying to figure out each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we've talked about, none of the guys that are currently on the team, they've never been the primary guy in college basketball. I shouldn't say that Connor has, but uh, he's, he's in a new situation. So now all of these guys are trying to get get themselves figured out and get each other figured out and I think we're making improvements there.
1: When when you took the Minnesota film and broke it down a little bit just in terms defensively what what did you see that kind of got exposed there against an unfamiliar opponent that maybe some of the things maybe I guess when you do it against yourselves over and over again you kind of find ways to cheat it a little bit um, just in terms of scouting yourself what did you see that Minnesota exploited that you liked because you felt like now I can kind of you know teach this
3: a little bit more I don't, I really don't think, I don't think it was anything they did. Really? I think it was us. Okay. And I, I, I mean, uh, I just think it's us and it's doing what we do and, and doing it at a, at a higher level and, uh, getting our guys to buy into that. So I, I don't, I mean, there were, there were areas where we, we had some breakdowns, but like, um. It's just that part of the season where you have to you're gonna go through some of that when you play new competition. But I don't think it, it was anything in particular that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, um I think one thing that I did notice against Minnesota, we had we had numerous times where we got them to miss on the first shot and we ended up really not finishing it. Like mm-hmm. whether we had it in our hands and it popped loose and we gave up an and, and one. But I I really don't believe it was anything they did. I think it was uh, just a matter of us not being as sharp as we needed to be. Um, but you can kind of tend to expect that uh, when you play um, your first game against competition other than yourself. And and uh, we probably weren't as sharp as we needed to be offensively as either, uh, as we should have been. But uh, nonetheless, it was good for us and a good learning tool. Uh, Mac made an interesting
1: comment um, after the Winona State game that um, just in terms of what you're dealing with, uh, bringing your style into this, this system, what what are some of the challenges that you've gone through, um, implementing your style of defensive toughness in your face, like all those little details on that side of the ball, with the pace and space and things like that, trying to like mesh those two together to where it's uh, to where you guys feel like
3: they're all firing on all cylinders, just as good as you guys can plan it out. Well, I, I don't think there's really been any challenges because Mac. Uh, as I've said, he's a a very good coach and he's done a great job on both sides of the ball. Um, I think one of our talking points have been can we continue to play at that pace offensively and then come down to the other end and really lock in and maybe not that we're pushing the tempo because we're not going to be a team that gets a lot of steals but be a little bit more aggressive defensively and that's something that we're trying to figure out. So, Um, I think we can, I think you have to have some depth. Uh, but, um, there haven't, there there hasn't been that many challenges. I mean, you know, as I said, these guys have really been coached well and they're, they're great guys and they want to be coached. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I've said, it's not like they haven't been taught on the defensive end. Mac has done a great job with that. So, um, I think what's kind of neat is that with the way we're doing scouting now, and he's he has been wanting to do it kind of this way um, the last couple of years, and now that we've moved to it, you get to focus on one particular area. So obviously, in my area, I'm going to be a little bit more detail-oriented, and they're going to hear it about every little thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that can be a positive thing. Is that
1: a pro-style thing where, where you adopt that sort of where you guys got each have roles like, a D coordinator, a guy does. football I think in I would say it's
3: probably a little bit more like football. I okay. don't know if it's a pro style deal, but uh, um, and there's there's pluses and minuses to everything. Okay. What are some of the benefits in your mind? What stands just in terms of being comfortable every week? One on voice. A lot of times, you know, I think when you're doing scouting reports, uh, and and you have a scout like every third or fourth game, I do tend to think that. Um, Maybe maybe you're not as quite as engaged if because you're working for the next game. Sure. And I think now we all have responsibilities um, daily, and then within the game. So like you're going to be a little bit more engaged. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, and then just one voice, whether it's presenting it at shoot around, because my voice, if if I've got the Seton Hall scout and Al Hus has the Marquette scout, well we're going to have different ways to present things right. on both sides of the ball. And I think now. Um, there, there'll be a little it's a change and but I think there'll be some more consistency um, not that it's right or wrong but that's mm-hmm. the way we're doing mm-hmm. it and, and Coach Mack is I think he's been thinking about this for a while So, uh, and then in practice um, you have to be a basketball coach you just can't be a defensive or an offensive guy mm-hmm. but there's no doubt that uh, I just watched film with Mitch and Jake I mean we watched some offensive stuff but mm-hmm. like my emphasis daily when I'm out there on the floor is generally going to be uh, on the defensive end. Davion kind of laughed when we asked him how
1: he's uh, taken to the things you guys are you're implementing defensively um, because he knows how difficult it's been in terms of the challenges you guys have presented for them. Just look, the this side of the ball needs to go to this level if you guys want to go where you want to go. Right. Um, but in just in terms of the incentive to give max effort, you know, and he and mentioned in practice, if you don't, you run, in games, if you don't, you lose, so, like, there's, that, that, it's kind of, like, embedded in his brain now, in terms of, it's not, he said punishment, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's it's got a, re- a, a result, right, yeah, exactly, so, like, what about that style do you feel like the guys are kind of grasping, and, um, like, I, do you feel like they're understanding that it's not to just get after you, it's for a purpose kind of thing? Yeah, I
3: think, um, number one, I mean, most of these young people, they respond to competitive situations sure. and, and making it as competitive as possible, not just doing a drill, but understanding that, hey, this is a here's why we're doing this drill. And I think that's the other thing. I think while it may be a little bit harder and there may be some consequences, I think when they see it on film, and that what their effort, as you said, leads to the the positive result. Mm-hmm. And then when they do it a particular way, that's not the right way, uh, or or something happens within our defensive system that goes against what we've been teaching, and we're like, okay, we don't. We told you this is going to happen. Look, look at when you break down and this happens. Mm-hmm. Usually something bad happens. Look at when we do it the other way. So I think, I think it reinforces both ways a positive and negative, hey, here's how you got to do it if we want to be successful. And, and um, we're always going to be a good offensive program. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, uh, I remember being told a long time ago, like, can you be a good player if your offensive game is not going? Can you still be a productive player Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I think all of these guys want to play after college right they all want to do that and there's no doubt that we get noticed a lot of times for our offensive ability or offensive talent but as you continue to climb the the, the ladder you know the competition ladder and, and that next level like most guys aren't getting plays ran for them, even when they get to the NBA. No matter how great they are in college, they're probably not getting plays ran for them. Uh, The franchise players are getting plays ran for them. So now can you be productive and help in other areas of the game? And uh, the better you become on both sides of the ball, the more marketable you're going to be, the better opportunities you're going to have, and then ultimately the better we're going to become. And if you can get, I think Davion, I, I think he's not even close to being where he could be defensively because I think he can he can be a real problem out there uh, defensively. And I mean that in a good way. With his athleticism, his strength, he can get into a stance. Um, and, and I think he's he's getting better in those areas. I'm glad you went there because that was going to be my next question, I guess. Uh...
1: In terms of what you're looking for, um, because obviously replacing Kyrie Thomas, that was a defensive stopper. You knew who was getting the number one assignment, whether it was, you know, the point guard or the power forward who you know stepping out and shooting. Like you knew who who he was guarding on a nightly basis. Are you guys actively looking for, not maybe a Kyrie Thomas, but someone who is a stopper, an individual that you can count on to take on those assignments on a nightly basis, or is it going to be like a free flowing thing and more about
3: the unit as a whole? No, I think there's still a, you know, we're still trying to figure out and who has emerged as a guy that can cut the other guy's water off. Yeah, and I hear you the say best that a lot. Yeah. On the other team. And like, um, I think we have a couple candidates, but guys have to prove it. But, um, and there's always going to be situations to where um, matchups aren't great. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no doubt that if you could. I mean, if you, if you could find a Kyrie Thomas, a guy that can just go be extremely versatile, and that the other team has to have, I mean, they're talking about him. Right, def- yeah. You know, I always say that
1: in a scouting. That's something
3: that Butler's coach said last week, like, you had to game plan for Kyrie Thomas right. taking away our best players. Right. Yeah, so are yeah. they, you know, they're talking about you offensively in a scouting report, but are they sitting here saying in the scouting report, holy cow, you know. Damian Jefferson can guard multiple positions. Man, look at Connor Cashaw going to the offensive glass. So mm. um, we're, still, we're still looking for a guy like that. I think right now, I think Ty and uh, Davion could be very good defensively mm-hmm. um, in that backcourt. Um, and then as you said, yeah, you would like to have a couple guys that could be in conversation for that. And, and you know, who out there is even thinking about uh, trying to be first-team all-league defensive? Team, mm-hmm. or are they just think about being first team all league? Most players right. aren't. Right. I wasn't. Right. You know what I mean. But I think is as, as you, as you, as, as you work with these guys, you express to them like, look at what that did. Like Kyrie, Kyrie didn't get noticed right away for his offensive ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had A Johnson, uh, yeah. who, is, who is not a great scorer, but he's getting paid now, yeah. and he made the NBA because he defends. Uh, because he knows how to switch a ball screen, he knows how to hedge a ball screen, and he rebounds at a high level. So, I think it's just showing guys what 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 uh, being good on both sides of the ball can do for them. If I I'll get you
1: out of here on this. Um, obviously, you weren't here during the situation that's currently being investigated by the FBI and into college basketball and things like that. But it just seems like you know every week when you think that you've put. One fire out, another one props up. Um, Just in terms of getting players to lock in and focus the current team and not worry about that outside stuff. Because they're on social media too. They see it just as much as you guys see it um how do you get get guys to focus in on the daily task instead
3: of worrying about the outside things like that right I've not had to talk to our guys one time about it really uh, I think in today's world they may read something on social media but five minutes later they've read 50 other thousand things That's so uh, there's a lot of you know they're they're moving on to the next thing but I think ultimately uh Coach Mack addressed it um I know from my perspective I trust Coach Mack I believe in him uh I believe in this place so um he addressed it with the team. He's addressed it with the media. Uh, we're locked in on the season, so I, I don't think I don't think they'll uh, I, I don't think our guys will be affected by any of that. Um, we're gonna we're gonna coach them, and we're not gonna we're gonna be stressing on the things or stress uh, emphasizing the things that we just talked about, yeah. you know, whether we're not sprinting in transition, whether, whether we're not rebounding, whether we're not jumping in the gaps, yeah. that's what they're going to hear give about. give them enough to worry about that, That's head. what they're going to yeah. hear about. Right. Um, and they heard about those things after we played Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, but like, um, so we're not, we're, I'm, I'm not concerned about that at all. Uh, we're locked in on the season and we've got, we've got a very difficult schedule. No doubt. Um, and I think coach Mack, he, he said it the other day, I can't remember where we were at, but like, this team was predicted to have a Justin Patton, to have a Kyrie Thomas. And, and now when you lose two guys like that, and you're extremely happy for them because they have opportunities, um, well, schedules are made clearly in advance. Within and and the plan, now we've right? got a we've got a very challenging schedule, but I think it's one that um, our guys are excited about and I know we're excited about. Hey, man, I appreciate the time.
1: I know you're a busy Thanks, guy. Man. Appreciate it. it. Thank have you. fun with game week. Thank you.
3: So that was our
0: interview with Paul Usk. Well, your interview with Paul Usk. I uh, What was your key takeaway from that, Matt, um, with, uh, with your time with him? I know there's a lot to dissect. You talked about uh, the coaches getting some stuff, um, you know, on film that they can dissect. Obviously, they were able to do that against the Gophers. But what, uh, what was the key takeaway for, for you from that interview with him? Well, there are a
1: few. One definitely off-the-court related is that this is a young team that's social media aware, so they're hearing about all the things that are going on in terms of the FBI investigation. Um, So I am kind of curious to see how they handle that elephant in the room, Uh, how much of a distraction it possibly could be. Um, You know, I asked them about it at the end there. You know, they said it's not going to be, so we'll find out. But I'm curious to see from the players, Here, as you know, game week rolls on, just um, some of their thoughts on it. Maybe Um, if it's you know something that's on their mind, or if they just know what they know and they're putting it behind them and focusing on the season that's one thing. And then the other is I'm really curious to see how that new way of scouting goes because while they are young, there are players on this team who are used to the way of having a certain coach or deal with each scout and going from there. So, one voice over and over and over again um saying the same things throughout the season, you know, it's going to be all the coaches, like you're all the coaches every day. Right. But how that plays out. I'm curious about that. Sure. It's just it's just, you know, it's a new little
0: wrinkle, so I kind of want to see how it plays out. I think we'll see once the the ball tips against the Western Illinois are the Leathernecks. I think that's they're yes. the the Leathernecks on Tuesday, November 6th, uh, election day, the Jays will get things started. Um, in earnest that evening for the regular season of the 2018-2019 men's basketball season. All right, lots of other stuff going on in the Hilltop, though, Matt. It was a busy week. Um, I know we, we, we recorded our podcast last Monday night, as we're going to do from Script Town Brewing here uh, Monday nights during the basketball season. Um, but the next night, the women's basketball team had their lone public uh, exhibition game. They, like you said earlier in the show, they had a private exhibition Against the Iowa Hawkeyes earlier this week um, or over the weekend, but um, I know you were in attendance at Sokol Arena for Coach Flannery's team's uh, one and only public exhibition. They put on a show as well. Uh, I think yeah, they both broke, teams got 100 points. Yeah, both teams break the century mark in uh, their exhibition. So, you know, give me your quick little breakdown of what you saw from from Flan's team against UNK.
1: Uh, things came pretty easy offensively. Uh, sure. I think Um, The message the message going forward is it's not going to be like that all the time so but I mean a lot of players got to show off their skill set and Honestly, the best part of the night was seeing Brooke Kissinger knock down as many threes as she did I think she finished six for nine for for the night. So um, You know, obviously she's coming off a year where she shot three for 21 for the whole season. Trust me She's a much better three-point shooter than that so I would expect her to have a significant impact on this year's team and going six for nine in the exhibition game was a good start um, To what I think is gonna be kind of a breakout season for her Uh, They're still a little banged up obviously Jalen Agnew, Olivia Elgar, and uh, Allie Green aren't back yet. So that's Still something that needs to happen. Those are three key returners for them. So their outlook is different without them in the fold. So when they get those players back, obviously the situation changes um, but the Iowa scrimmage. I mean,
0: it's not like you. <laughs> pregnant pause so
1: from an SOS team. They weren't expecting to go in there and hand it to them again. Especially after beating them um, California last year, so little you revenge. Were, Iowa wasn't gonna take it easy on them, right? Whether they were shorthanded or not, so sure. Little but revenge on their mind. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Iowa won by twelve. They were up big, so. um but I think Creighton's Bates played well. Gracie Leon redshirt freshman. And then Morgan Turner, Lipscomb transfer, both played pretty well. I think Morgan Turner's actually been pretty good so far. Surprising. Probably a surprise so far for me, considering how late, you know, she came <laughs> into the program Sure, um, this summer. So those were two positive takeaways from that. Now it's just about getting healthy and getting ready for their season opener against South
0: Dakota. All right. And uh, they weren't the only women's team. On the hilltop, busy last week. Unfortunately, the women's soccer team, they scored two first half goals against Providence. I think it was one Don't, first half, one and second. Half, one, yeah. But they were up two to nothing. They were. Right. And then unable to complete that. Uh, they missed the Big East tournament again. Um, I know you're going to plan to sit down with Coach Pauly here and have an interview on one of our upcoming shows, but just a real quick uh, touch base on how things ended for them and what the outlook is for Ross Pauly's team as they look to break through here in his tenure with the Jays and and make a Big East tournament and beyond?
1: Well, I thought they played well enough to get the result. It just didn't happen. Um, Certainly, it's the closest they've been to making the Big East tournament since they joined the league, so that's a good thing. Um, As far as the outlook goes, I think just seeing how well the upperclassmen that are coming back played in that match is encouraging. Taren Jacobowski had a great match. And then... To top it off, she earned Big e, off first team All Big East nod afterward. Super um, to end the season. So she's got a lot of momentum coming into next year for her senior year. Uh, Jaden Bosak is awesome in the back line. They'll have Haiti Block healthy again. Um, Ansley Atkinson, who's a really good freshman, earned All Freshman team. So she's sure. back for her sophomore year. Um, I thought Emma Brosch, she's a junior this year, had one of her best matches of the season against Providence. So like. I think they all kind of got better. Sure. And I, I honestly, I would, I feel comfortable saying that I would be surprised if next year it comes down to the last match of the season to make the Big East tournament. I really feel like they're going to be okay. in that top half of the league next year with all they all they bring back. So super. I think they're they're going in the right direction. Okay. I'm definitely encouraged by what that last match played out.
0: And then their uh, fellow residents in Fort Morrison Stadium, the men's team, they win. At home last week against Marquette in a game that they get up one nothing, Marquette equalizes, and then about one of the most exciting goals I've ever seen from a recent Creighton soccer team. Immediately following that Marquette goal, the Blue Jays turn it around, they score, and that paces them to a weekend where they beat DePaul two to one to claim an uh, claim claim the Big East regular season championship outright. Yep, outright championship. Uh, they'll be the number one seed and have a first-round bye in the Big East Championship. They'll play at home a week from this Wednesday at Morrison Stadium. But just uh, when I mentioned that goal, your eyes just lit up. Um, What was the atmosphere like for that Marquette match, and how did how they played there in the second half, I guess, maybe translate into what they did in Chicago against DePaul all over the weekend?
3: I mean,
1: I think the
0: atmosphere was pretty good. I think they'll get more than that for the Big East tournament, though. Um, just the turnout for
1: playoff matches around here sure. is ratcheted up, so I think it's huge for them to be hosting honestly, I mean just the, no matter what happens as much as far as they go in the Big East tournament, they'll be playing home matches, and if you know anything about Elmar Bolovich, he hates traveling in the Big East <laughs> so he is the most happy he'll ever be in his life right now, getting to host a bunch of, you know, host a bunch of home matches for the Big East tournament and then I feel like you know, if they go all the way and win that tournament, they'll probably host a first-round match in the ESPY tournament. So, you're gonna have a lot of chances to see the Creighton men's soccer team at home here for a little bit because I think they're, you know, they're set up pretty nicely to to stay in Omaha.
3: Yeah.
0: So they'll play Georgetown on Wednesday night, Halloween, Halloween night. night. Bring your costumes out to Morrissey Stadium, right? I heard the students are gonna be in a contest. Best uh, costume gets fifty-dollar gift cards to I don't know where, and then a pair of Nike shoes. I might so, I might dress up in the press box. I kinda might too. Or bring the kids down after they're Absolutely. jacked up on candy. Yeah, you gotta wear them down, right? Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. That little hill, you Are know. go trick-or-treat and go to soccer? How's that gonna work? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know that I don't know. Maybe right. you can trick or treat at the stadium, just go around the people and see if they have candy. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, no, I think what would happen is my boys would probably run onto the pitch. I'll, I'll I'll chocolate it up from Halloween, which wouldn't be half. I mean, that would be entertaining To teach, teach them
1: about getting arrested for trespassing <laughs> sure right early in their lives and hard. they know when they're teenagers hard things. lessons
0: um, So I know that game will be a matchup against well I guess I didn't see where Georgetown fell in the rankings this week But obviously the Blue Jays within the top 20. Um, that's usually a pretty uh, Well contested match between the Blue Jays and the Hoyas. We get them here in Omaha this year um, ahead of then uh, what, will pl- what the Blue Jays hope for will be a long stay of home matches um, in the Big East tournament and then into the NCAA tournament so outlook I would assume pointing up for the Jays I mean they look like they're clicking right now and things are pl- things are going well you know I know Elmar talks about it and Johnny talks about it all the time with the way that college soccer is with transfers coming and going and uh, on our team in particular uh, players coming from outside the country, getting those guys to gel in uh, spring ball and then into the fall can sometimes be uh, take a little bit more time maybe than other sports than you're used to seeing on a, on a college campus. So do you feel like things are gelling for this team right now from what you see, and how is the, how's the needle pointing for Elmar's team? Honestly, I felt like they gelled early in
1: the season. Um, you know, a lot of those transfers, a lot of those newcomers came in a few weeks early this summer, um, spearheaded by Joel Rydstrand and Mish LeGrow, the two senior captains. Uh, they slept on cots. You know, they did because the dorms weren't obviously available to them. They weren't assigned yet, so sure. they slept on cots anywhere they could and, you know, organized captain's practices with players only. The coaches should not have access to them yet, and, you know, they really did all the right things in the offseason uh, from a team that was upset about where they ended up last year. They didn't think that was acceptable at all, um, and they spearheaded all the Offseason things to get them rolling early and get them clicking early. And, you know, here they've made some changes offensively. They moved Joel Joel strand up a line and, you know, he has a great match against Marquette with a couple of assists. Uh, earns Biggie's Offensive Player of the Week. So um, that seems to be another great move for Elmar in terms of his late, late season adjustment.
0: Uh, it's playing out well so far. And then our campus's best chance for a national champion. As Matt would love to attest, constantly remind you of that. Yeah. Coach Kirsten berthal Booth's volleyball program another weekend sweep. Um, arguably the most important road match uh, that they'll play all season. Um, last Friday night at Marquette against um, another ranked opponent here. Arguably their 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 uh, their only challenge. Uh, you in know East, in yeah. the Big East. <laughs> You hate to say it like that, but it's, well, it's true. I mean, let's be honest. It's their only
1: resume builder in the Big East. The Rice right. are resume killers, so they can't right. afford to lose anybody else. And beating Marquette benefits them. So that's sure. basically how you. So they that. go up
0: there, they lose one set, but they win three to one, and um, they then transfer that energy to uh, their, hope that hope momentum under Chicago, overmatched the Paul team. Yeah. I feel like they should have played like an Oak Street Beach or something to at least make it entertaining there in Chicago. Uh, maybe play outside on on the lake, but uh, they they pick up two wins this weekend. They move up one spot in the in the polls to number nine. Um, it's them and like seemingly all of the Big Ten, <laughs> and then BYU and Stanford.
1: All the Big Ten, Stanford,
0: BYU, maybe an SEC team, and then Creighton. Yeah. yeah. So um, they're uh, you know I mean two of their opponents on the season, two of the teams that they lost to Nebraska and Illinois are ahead of them in the top ten. Uh, that's pretty much about it, though. So uh, I know that they have another road tilt this weekend. They're heading out to the East Coast, uh, St. John's and, on Friday uh, and Seton Hall on Saturday. Um, and I know that we've got an interview coming up with Angie Um But I guess Matt, from your perspective, what did you see this weekend that um, that that uh, that stood out to you? Maybe in that Marquette match, but then just overall and how they handled their business going on the road. Uh, J.D. Winners is the goat. Just the bottom line.
1: You know what? It's it's it's. I know it sounds like hyperbole when I talk about her accomplishments and things like that, and and maybe it is, but throughout her entire career, from freshman year till now, and folks, it's her senior year. So if you don't feel like you've appreciated enough of J.D.'s career, you better start getting yourself to DJ Softball Arena because after this weekend, there's four home matches, the Big East tournament. Probably the first weekend of the tournament, and then those are your last chances to see her. So it's it's winding down a Doug tournament like career. So I, I feel like she deserves appreciation um, for her greatness because it's been four years now. And I feel like it's a little bit underappreciated just considering she hasn't won a Big East Player of the Year yet award yet. And I I went not head believe to head, that. Right? She went head-to-head head with the Big East Player of the Year on Friday against Marquette, and outplayed her in all phases. So, I mean... 25 kills, 19 digs is insane. She hit 442, I think, is her hitting percentage, which is insane for a six-rotation player to hit that high because um, half of her attacks come from the back row. Sure. Um, she's the she's the GOAT. So she is amazing. You mentioned Doug. She's at her
0: best when her, the matches are the toughest. You, you mentioned Doug, and I know we have a lot of volleyball-first listeners, but to normalize this for our normal listener, which is the Blue Jay basketball fan that also follows other sports kind of anecdotally, like, let's just be honest, that's how the majority of our listeners are. Is it Doug that you would compare her to uh, on the men's basketball side? Is it Kyle Korver? Like, what's the normal, what's the normalize there for, if you had to sit down and you're at CHO Center or whatever, CHI, whatever, whatever it's called, (laughs) you're at a men's basketball game and there's uh, there's a person that you are trying to tell and convince to go see Jaylee play, and the whole team play, obviously, but how are you, what are you, and that, that that's the question they're going to ask. Sure. Well, like how's it compare to the men's basketball, like yeah. what's that I, player?
1: She's probably more like Doug, just Doug took men's basketball to a different level. Um, yeah. With the, with the Big East, he ended up the all-time leading scorer, he was a three-time All-American, um, national player of the year, Jaylee won't get that, but... You know, she's probably going to be a two-time All-American. Um, honorable mention All-American, too, so three-time if you're counting it that way. Sure. Um, she probably will, should win Big East Player of the Year this year. Uh, Sweet 16 her freshman year, late Eight her sophomore year, hosted the Space tournament her junior year. Like We need to start knocking on all the accomplishments, all-time kills leader. Over 1,500 days. I think she's fourth. I mean, she's
0: all-time kills leader with, like, a month and a half yes, to
1: play. Yes, yes. So, she's all-time kills leader. I think she's fifth all-time in digs, so that's offense-defense balance right there. So, she's basically, like, Kyrie and Doug. What? You know what I mean? So, like, just think about the impact. So, there. I need to adopt her? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I she's, live with me. she's great. She's all-time great. She's. I, I think she's Creighton's greatest player ever. Um, just in terms of her accomplishments, it's going to be hard to argue against that. I mean... All you know, she wins, and she's individual performances sure. that are there too. Like so, you have the stats, the individual yeah, stats. Yeah, it's not that she's just stats. out there like
0: right. picking up everything for a team that's middle of the road or the Big East and not doing anything. Right. I mean, she's had. We talk about that team and the pressure that they face consistently because of the inability for them to pick up marquee wins or resume boosting wins in the Big yeah. East, and everything that they come across is a trap game essentially. Yeah. But she's navigated that with her team. Year in and year out for four for three and a half years that has to put her in that echelon. Of I, think the best.
1: Lost, I think they've lost. I think in her career she's lost three Big East games. That's amazing. Her whole career three. So she lost at more I think I can name them two. At Marquette last year, uh, Villanova last year, yep. and then there was I think Villanova again. So Villanova's beaten her twice and Marquette once. So Villanova three times. That's it. All the time. <laughs> yeah, they'll get them here at home coming up pretty soon. So. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I mean, she's got, she, there's a lot of talent on this team, there's no question about it, but just when you, just watching her from freshman year when they were down in Chapel Hill making their first Sweet, sweet 16 and she had 20 kills in both of their matches down there, um, that's when she had the, infamous, the famous quote where she's like, all I do is win, that's what I do, like that's, <laughs> like that's just, she's just different, you know, hey, she's a special, go she has a special mindset, <laughs> she's talented, she's skilled. She's got the stats, she's got the wins. Most importantly. And the, the intangibles, which which Angie Oxybernes talks about in this interview that we're going to hear. Segway. Um
0: that segue brought to you by Scrip Town Brewing. <laughs> great segue. Yeah,
1: Angie Oxlavians talks about she's the most competitive kid they've ever had in their gym. So that just lets you know how she's wired. Um, it's just different. It's 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 all time great different. Most
0: important, she was one of the first student athlete guests that we had on the Blue Jay Spites podcast. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Um, Jaylee, long time, uh, fan favorite of the Blue Jay Bites podcast, uh, <laughs> listenership, but you did segue very nicely there into the interview with Angie. Um, I want you to set up a little bit more for our listeners at home, and this will be the way we close out the show tonight with this interview with Angie oxley but, um, I think Coach Booth ha- calls her the glue of the program. Angie, yeah. Um, yep. and I know that you've talked about her at length in the past, but, Maybe set this up for listeners again. Those casual Jays fans, listeners that might not follow the volleyball program as closely as they could or should. What's Angie? Don't follow to the- it as closely
1: as they could, but
0: as closely as they should for sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, what's Angie bring to the program? She's been oh. a part of it for a long time. Um, and then maybe just set up the interview a little bit so that our fans know what to listen to. Wow. How much yeah, time how do, do we start, have? Is it going to be uh, as long as the interview? I mean,
1: she's been she's been with Booth the entire time. Like, that's the one. It's that's, Booth and Barron's. Like, they've been together the whole time. My God, that's a podcast. The Booth I, and Barron show? Hey. I'm Don't gonna give them any ideas. That's a great idea right there, right? I mean, she's been there since day one. This whole thing being built up. Um, you know, Booth gets... The head coach gets the credit for it, but Angie's been there the whole way. Sure. You know, there's not... Like, she didn't go off and get another her job. She didn't be a head coach anywhere else. Um, she's in that gym, and then when you watch them coach together and in practicing in games, it's a really collaborative effort. So it is their program, like truly it is. Um, I, it's not to take away credit from one or the other. I just think she really—it's it, accurate that she is the glue because she's been there the entire time and she's built just as much as this is deserves just as much credit as Booth does. So, um, but we talk about you know the big match. Obviously, she won. She beat Marquette on her birthday. She's five and zero. Or Creighton is 5-0 on her birthday since yes. she was hired, so All right. she has a stretch of good luck going. Booth isn't as lucky. <laughs> her record isn't isn't the same on her birthday. So, uh, yeah, they say 5-0. They got the big win over Marquette. She talks about Jaylee. She talks about Taryn and Jaylee and um, just what they've, how they've grown, how important they are, how special they are to the program. Because um, they were the two t- first two top 50 recruits that Creighton ever had. So, they're wrapping up some illustrious careers here. It, and it's kind of cool because they were the first two top 50 recruits and they lived up to the height. You know yeah. what I mean? So
0: like... And how many times... I mean, we see it in so many other sports yeah, too where a kid right. comes in, they're super high build, blue chip, and it just doesn't work the way that people wanted it to, the way that people like us that sit and talk into a computer think that it should yeah. or that it will because a guy or a gal's got stars next to their name or whatever it is. But, you know, it's nice when you see those difference makers that happen... And they, and it, it almost is. It, you, you want, you think they're going to be good. You think the hype is there, but like honestly, but you uh, think okay. all your problems are solved when you get them in the door. But and arguably, it's, Jaylee's been better than you could have even imagined. Correct. She
1: was, she was the lower of re- re- right. re- one or the two. Yeah. So yeah, just It's crazy. It's, um, but yeah, she talks about them and their careers, kind of a little retrospective. Um, obviously, we'll have a better chance to do that as they're. Season winds down when they get back home here um, for those final four matches in the Big East tournament. Um, Talk about a little bit about just moving forward, dealing with that schedule that, you know, after Marquette, there's just, like I said, there's a bunch of resume killers on it now. So they can't afford to lose any one of them if they want to host. So there's still some pressure left to get the job done, but they're in the driver's seat right now for another Big East uh, regular season title. They have a two game lead on Marquette for the outright. Um, title and a three-game
0: lead essentially now with the regular season sweep sure um, for the share of it. So they're in a good position Yep, they'll have This weekend's matches at st. John's and Seton Hall They'll play at home the following weekend against Georgetown and Villanova And then they'll do the Providence two-step on Friday November 16th and Saturday November 17th the weekend before they will host the Big East Championship at Sokol Arena where that event should be played every single year And um, things are pointing up, obviously, for the Blue Jays who fall in at uh, or or move up one spot, I should say, to number nine in the ranks this week. Um, So we're going to play that interview for you here after we sign off for the show. Um, We want to make sure that we give a big shout out to Script Town Brewing. for having us out here on another Monday night, our second second episode here. We get a toast from the crowd. Alex with a nice toast, a, a hoist of his... Of his of his of his uh, ale of his award-winning beer from script town um so again we're we're recording these every monday night we want you to come down we'll have some live guests coming up soon we're going to try to throw some viewing parties together here for script town um, a lot of great options here to come down and have some drinks and get some food from around the neighborhood and bring it into the bring it into the brewing company here um, so a big shout out to script town here for another monday night blue jay spites podcast I want to thank everybody that showed up tonight here. Everybody that sent their questions in, we'll be hitting you up this week again on Twitter. Um, you know, watch for the newsletter. Subscribe, right? Subscribe to the yeah. newsletter. That's where you'll get your. Uh, that's where you get. You'll be first to get the, the podcast recording. You'll be first to get the questions, Q and A's, the the PolyFro uh, pregame primers, everything that we cook up during basketball season and beyond. And uh, we really appreciate you guys uh, making us the number one spot for. Creighton sports coverage uh, here. Are we early. ranked number one? In my mind, we are. I mean, Jeez, who's your you? Brian Ott's ranking official ranking? I mean, I'm award winning. Who's I Alex know. just gave me a little medal? Did we? number yeah. one. Okay, he just gave me an award. Like I think that's award winning. We have
1: one vote, two votes for number one. Whatever. Yeah. We're piling them up. Who's
0: gonna tell me I'm not? <laughs> you want to talk to me? Come down to the Script Town, dude. <laughs> tell me to my face. Okay. <laughs> <To> wrestle <laughs> the mic from my hand. I got mad here. We'll have, He's to, tall. Like, we'll have to like get some stick on so they can't get it up. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So again, thanks to Script Town for having us. Thanks to everybody for listening. And tune in next week. Uh, we'll be uh, sending. Uh, we'll be giving you guys a, a, a preview of what the uh, the next episode, our number forty seven episode, will be. Gosh, we got to figure out the number forty seven where it falls in. in J- There's got to be like some totally great like mid nineties baseball player. Like that's like an Alan Bennis number. Right? Andy Bennis. One of the yes. Ben so, I, Definitely a baseball player though, you're right. Definitely a baseball be. player. We'll ask Ed. We need to have Ed here. Oh That would be a long episode. That would be a long <laughs> <Yeah>. episode. We'll have him break down the fall ball. That sounds good. When they played like all those high school teams or whatever. Right. From Canada. So yeah, from Canada. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So we'll stop blabbing. We'll get this interview here with Angie Oxley barrons here on another edition of the Blue Jays by his podcast for Matt DeMoranis. I'm Brian Dott. For everybody here at Script Town, we're signing off. Have a great night, a great week, and go Jays. Angie, thanks for sitting down.
2: Appreciate it. Thank you, um, Matt. I know you guys are busy. What
1: well, you guys are – do you have Seton Hall, St. John's this weekend? Yeah,
2: we fly out. We leave Thursday um, for – we play Seton Hall – no, we play St. John's first. And then we play Seton Hall, so –
1: but I mean, you guys kind of got to make sure you're locked in because beating Marquette is one thing. But yes. Can, for sure. You can potentially, like, I guess, ruin it by.
2: Beating Marquette's awesome, but the worst thing that could happen to us is dropping a team, you know, here on out till conference tournament. I mean, if we dropped Marquette during conference tournament, so be it. Although we're not going to, but <laughs> if we lose to one of these teams coming up, Seton Hall, St. John's, Providence, right. we still have Villanova, we still have Georgetown. It's gonna probably knock us out of the potential to host Absolutely. the first and second rounds.
1: Um, happy belated birthday, by the way.
2: Thank you. I turned the big four uh, zero.
1: You know what? I and mean, it seems like you're okay with that. I
2: am okay with it. You normally, the good you thing know. is, like hanging around college students, I I feel like I never age. Like I feel like I'm still really? about uh, twenty five. They keep you going. They keep you hip. Like they they comment on your clothes to make sure you're you're up to style. Still Right. And then they make sure you're you're up to up to speed on like what's hip music-wise. So I feel like, You've, like hanging around this generation, and uh, you know I get older. They always say the same age. Like I feel like, I, yeah, I still like I'm, feel like I'm about 30. So you're
1: aging well. I'm, you're, I'm you're aging fairly. Exactly.
2: Pop exactly. Booth
1: says she feels like she used to feel like a sister. Now she feels like a mom.
2: Um, so I'm not quite there yet. I'm gonna let Kirsten take that mom role. Okay. I am going to still take that sister role. I don't want to I don't want to go into the mom role. You to hang on to it. Yeah, I you know. like Kirsten. Um yeah, she can she can have that role as long as she wants.
1: But it, it was a big weekend for you though. You got to celebrate it, you know. And you didn't have to fake the enthusiasm because you got that big win at Correct.
2: at Correct.
1: For the record to remain undefeated on your birthday and your Creighton career. I
2: love 0. it. Am I 5 and 0? You're 5 and 0. I is I'll two take and, it. Pearson's two and three. Is she so two she, and three? Yeah, she doesn't have as much success. Okay, so, so from here on out, if you guys, if we go yeah, up against somebody yeah. else on her birthdays, you have a
1: tiebreaker if, if you need it. I like it. But uh, just the big win over Marquette. What what was the? You know, I watched practice, and I feel like the coaches were just really enthusiastic for that match. They knew it was a big match. Uh huh. Um, the players felt the same way too, and the, and you, your guys' practice, you guys have light-hearted moments. You, you know, you, there's there's times where. Um, you know, the personality shine. But, yep. you know, there was a moment there, I think, in practice where I remember where you're like, okay, look, I like that stuff too, but mm-hmm. we got to lock in. This is a huge match.
2: Yeah, with our with um, our team, and it's always uh, different with different teams, but this team, I feel like we play the best when we're not goofy. Like, there's teams in the past that you're like, all right, you guys can lighten up a little bit on the court, be goofy, mm-hmm. you know, play loose. But this team, when they get goofy, they kind of get unfocused. So we try to rein it in once we start seeing – uh, the team or the players get goofy. Mm-hmm. We try to bring them in and try to refocus. Because we all feel like they play they play the best when they're intense or competitive and they're focused and not so much goofy. So we've uh, kind of figured that out the first at least two weeks of the season of this team plays best when they're focused and they're competitive. Gotcha.
1: What did it, I mean, just in terms of how that match played out, um, did it go according to the game plan? Did the, the kids have been best on the fly? Did you feel like they performed um, well, I know you guys didn't serve as well as you wanted to, but you Correct. still, offensively, you still see them So often.
2: that was probably the only takeaway from the match was our serving that I was not happy with. Usually, when you play really good teams, you've got to get them out of system. And the Marquette's yeah, hitting nice. at a above 300. So they're leading the Big East and hitting efficiency as a team, which above 300 is really, really good. Mm-hmm. So the key to beating a team like that is got to serve aggressive. you got to take them out of the system. Because they have three great options when they're in system. So, our serving was not awesome, and honestly, um, we've not been awesome on the road serving. Like at home, I feel like our serving is a whole different bird. I think we were a little more aggressive at home, and maybe just it's just the comfort of being at home. You know, the depth perception, the the court size, mm-hmm. you kind of get familiar with your home court. But yeah, our serving was not awesome on Friday night. It was they were in system a lot. However, our blocking was really good so we got a lot of touches and our defense was incredible like i honestly i don't think we've played a uh, a defensive match like we have in a while uh like we did on friday we were just digging balls
1: so i guess what's the key to that because uh, i think the thing i've learned about volleyball just in the short time i've just been covering is that everything's kind of connected you know your Correct. serving Correct. helps you block set up better which helps you get more touches which exactly. makes it easier for the diggers like I guess just how are you guys able to be so good defensively despite not having your best serving night against a really good offensive yeah. team? Like, how did that mesh?
2: Um, I feel like our blockers did a great job. So, yeah, you're right. Like, if first and foremost, if you get them out of the system, it's, it's really, really easy mm-hmm. to set up a block because you know where the ball is going. Um, but I felt like our blockers, especially Megan Ballinger, there was a series where they were in system. Like, the rally kept going, Marquette kept uh, digging the ball, keeping them in the system. And there was like a rally where Ballinger just got like three great touches in a row really? and just slowed the ball down. So I think our blockers were just, um, even though our serving didn't get out of the system, our blockers were awesome at just reading, reacting. And if your blockers are doing their job, it makes the back row defense a lot easier because they're, mm-hmm. you know, setting up behind the block accordingly, you know, digging the area that the blockers are um, not taking away. So I think our blockers did a great job as a as a unit. And then Makes defense a lot easier when your blockers are set up.
1: I think it would be silly of me not to ask this, all, even though I talk about her a lot. But um, I hype hyper up maybe too much. But um, just how good was Jaylee Winters? Um, it, you know, it's, it's silly because big matches, she's at her best. I mean, the yep. stats yep. Wear it out like it's not, it's yeah. not something I just stretch to say. But it seems like she was better than she's ever been, which is Jaylee, silly.
2: Jaylee, played one of her best matches the whole season just because it was a combined effort in the front row and the back row she she had 25 digs or sorry 25, digs, yeah. 25 dig or sorry 25 kills had a super high clip mm-hmm. and then uh 19 digs which a six rotation outside that's that's pretty impressive yeah. so she was on her A game
1: um just i don't know it's coming to the end of her career so it's kind of like there's a lot of retrospective going on mhm um but i mean she's the all-time kills leader she's probably gonna be get close to fifteen hundred digs if she's not already there yet. Yep. Um just this but she's been a sixth rotation player her whole career. She hasn't won Biggie's player of the year yet for some reason, but I'm working on that, like in terms of <laughs> <laughs> as much as I can. But uh when did you when did you realize as her coach that you had someone special here? Because like I said, you know, even when her freshman year, uh-huh. getting you guys to the Space 16 in Chapel Hill, she raised yep. her game. Yep. Um, and Lauren's the next year; like she just goes a different <clears> level. <throat> yes. When the matches are the yes. most important, like when did you realize she had that extra gear?
2: I would say her freshman year. Like I don't think I've ever, we've ever had a kid come into the gym like as competitive as Jaylee is. Like Jaylee wants to win. Yeah. And Jaylee, no matter what, Jaylee's going all out. Like she wants the ball at end game, and she demands the ball. And a lot of people a lot of players just, you know, don't want to be that person that just wants the ball, that wants to win the game. So, mm-hmm. freshman year, I think is when we saw Jaylee. I think is one of a, a press conference, It might have been postseason of, one of the reporters asked her, you know, how is she go so good, and she just said, I just want to win. Like mm-hmm. that was her, and that's her end all. That's it? her end all be all. And like what what freshman, you know, comes out and says that, mm-hmm. that, that I just want to win, and that's that's Jaylee. She has an internal competitiveness that it's you can't teach.
1: How has she how she evolved as a teammate, I guess, cuz I think that's been the thing that uh uh-huh. um she kind of felt after after Texas that that was probably where she needed to go to get to the next take her um, mm-hmm. game as a teammate to the next level. Where how has she evolved as a teammate to the point now as a senior where you know her teammates trust her to be yep. a leader and mm-hmm. um to be encouraging in moments where Yeah, I think
2: think she's matured a lot of, you know, allowing herself to get closer to her teammates to establish relationships with her teammates. Mm -hmm. Um, Jaylee's one of those that's kind of, she's hard to get to know. And the more you talk to her, the more she's comfortable, you know, around people. So I think she took it upon herself to really kind of establish relationships off the court to allow those teammates. Because Jaylee's super intimidating. If you don't know her and you're a freshman, you're like, holy crap, like, who is this player? And she just seems really mean. But, you know, like I said, she wants to win, and she did a good job of forming relationships, especially with the younger, the freshman, the sophomore, of, you know, going out of her way to hang out with them off the court. A lot of people, you know, could give two poops about trying to make friends with their teammates, but Jaylee did a good job of, uh, stepping outside of her, her comfort zone and, you know, trying to include the the younger kids. and have them over to her dorm so she can cook a meal. So she did a great job of forming those relationships, especially with the younger players. So they kind of understood where Jaylee was coming from when she was on the court.
1: Mm. Um, Taryn Close seems like she's saving her best for last. Yes, she is. year. Yep. Um, you get to work with her a lot because, uh, you know, she's on the panel. Jaylee is what, what, what has changed, what has flipped in her game to the point where, you know, the, I mean, the non-conference she had uh-huh. was unreal, and the, stuff yep. the Big East was really good, too, um, to the point where, you know, she's kind of able to have a little bit of the swagger to her game, it looks like. Sure. It's just a little bit of difference.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. What changed with Taryn over the past two to three years of just confidence. Like, I think this year she's super confident, and mm-hmm. she's confident when she steps on the court, and she knows that if she goes hard, it's – it's hard to defend her. Like if she goes hard, and creates a lot of shots, like nobody can defend her. If she, you know, she has multiple shots this year. I feel like in previous years it was a little easier to defend her because you knew what exact shot she was gonna hit. Okay. But this year, I think she's come to the court with just different shots. She can go line. She can go high hand. She can drop the ball short. She can go hard across court. She can go deep corner. So defending a kid that has multiple shots is really, really hard and I think she she did a good job in the off season and also um with the USA volleyball team just I think the confidence of being around players that are better than her and knowing that she can compete with those players I think gave her a lot of confidence coming into the season.
1: With those two in particular, I think I know I know Taryn was your highest rated recruit ever. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you did a top 50 kid before Jaylee, too, but she was in the top 50 as well. Yep, she was. Um, when you brought both of those players in, you probably knew mm-hmm. you were going to be um, able to go to a different level, the program, in terms of the program, uh-huh. the talent that they brought in. Um, but Just like, what's, what about them, just in terms of what they've accomplished, Space 16, Elite eight, all these titles. Yep. titles, um, makes it so fun to coach these two, mm-hmm. and I guess with the time running short, what are you going to mm-hmm. miss about them? the most, uh,
2: working with them on a daily basis? Um, honestly, I'm just going to miss them as people. I think they're both just outstanding young women that are, they have their stuff together on the court, off the court, and they're just really, really good people. Um, so honestly, that's probably what I'm going to miss the most. And obviously on the court, they're, they're awesome. And we're going to miss having two really, really good outsides. Yeah. But, uh, that's, that's what these younger freshmen are. Hopefully they have good role models. Like, Jayla and Taryn have been awesome role models, too. Keely, who's going to be a future sixth rotation outside outside Jayla Zimmerman. So hopefully mm-hmm. Jayla and Keely are just – they are locked in of, you know, this is what we want to be like when we're, you know, upperclassmen. So having them in the gym has just been an awesome, awesome thing for the younger players to, you know, see every day.
1: As a coach, how are you going to handle, um, you know, just kind of like keeping those two – um, focused on just the day-to-day, the things that have, you guys have used their whole career, one match at a time, uh-huh. it's all that matters, because I think once the end starts coming together and you have goals that you haven't crossed off yet Correct. in your career, Correct. that maybe brings some outside pressure into the, into the fold and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe knock the focus out of whack, maybe. Um, how do you hone in on, like, look, just stay the way you've been your whole career and Correct. whatever happens, happens. Like, how how is yeah, that? It's one how of does those, that message you get sent? It's one
2: of those, right? and even what I played, like, you can't, you can't hype yourself up too much so you gotta you gotta enter every match like it's just another match because the more you think about like you know this is you know my last two matches in my career it just you start internalizing things and you, you think you have to play your best and usually when people start you know wanting to play their best and mm-hmm. generally like her younger years um, just got so emotional like in the big matches that it was not good for her and her play was affected by it so mm-hmm. the more emotion you saw from Jaylee on the court, the worse her play got, really? and I recognized that early in her career and tried to just, no matter what, just, just play your game. you got to just step, step on the court, you got to play every game like it's just another game, and kind of keep the emotion out of it.
1: How does the prep go for this weekend, just in terms of your opponent coming up? And, uh, you know, St. John's and Seton Hall have been teams that have gotten you in the past. Uh-huh. Um, I know you took care of business the first time around when you faced them, but yep. just in terms of the challenges they present. Um, and, you know, having to deal with them. Because mm-hmm. you guys have a two-game lead in the standings now, essentially three for the share of the title. Sure. Um, but there's business to be taken care of. How do you yep. how do you keep them Locked level in. from yep. the Marquette high um, yep. to the point where they're ready to go
2: this weekend? Um, fortunately, I think our kids have been educated enough of, you know, what I told you. Like, any match that we drop from here on out, it's, it's game over for us hosting. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, taking each match seriously. Like, as we saw, we uh, killed... Xavier at their place and then they came to our place and they took us to five and we almost lost so I think that was a great learning moment for our players of like, you know, no matter What happened the first time we played a team? We've got to come in and you know focus on our side You know have focus on the other team of you know, we we can't make the errors We got to have St. John Seton Hall earn their points. So making sure we're playing clean volleyball um, from here on out will be kind of our focus was the last ice cream trip of the regular And season it's trip. the last ice cream trip. So, that, so uh, uh, that's always that alone, that's always a huge incentive, not only for the uh, players, but uh, Kirsten and myself uh, really, really like our ice cream. So yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. What was the best part of the birthday weekend?
2: The best part besides yeah. Besides uh, the Omicor stuff, I guess. Besides getting in the big win over Marquette was probably um, we went out to dinner in Chicago at McCormick and Schmick's. Followed up by um, ice cream at Girardelli Shop on Michigan Avenue. So So we did get our ice cream, and I got a huge um, chocolate waffle cone with chocolate ice cream. So
1: it was was for sure
2: ice cream on the cake of uh, the wind, followed up by a really nice meal (laughs) the next night. Nice. Hey, I appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Matt. Good luck this weekend. Thank you.